Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the podcast where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. My name is Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And we are coming to you today uh, to recap some free agent signings from the Milwaukee Brewers and Chicago Cubs uh, since the inception of free agency in 1976 uh, in celebration of Shohei Otani finally signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, Jeremy, I, uh, I ran into a friend of mine uh, at work, a co-worker of mine, um, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, he knows I'm a Brewers fan, and he said to me, uh, he's a Sox fan, and he said to me, hey man, the North Side stole your manager, and I, I, said, uh, I said, yeah, uh, they, they really gave him a lot of money. He goes, uh, he's worth it, man. He's a, he's a top five manager, and he did it without superstars, and I wanted to say to him, well, uh, you know, if he did it without superstars, he'll be right at home with the Cubs this year. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. It was it was the perfect retort too late. Um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, the Cubs were in the running for Otani. Um, they fell out, it seemed like, at the you know, in the last week. Um, and then it was down two and then it was one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's I I think like the way that it all went down with the uh, Blue Jay report and the Dodgers we were texting about. It, and it's like, you know, you can only assume that like everyone was saying like 500 million. Uh, for Otani, so I assume that like all those teams that were in there towards the end probably were willing to go to that. Um, so yeah, the Giants, the Cubs, uh, Blue Jays, and then like yeah, you know he probably got six hundred or six hundred fifty million from the Blue Jays, and then the Dodgers, you know, up that, and that's why he signed. I'm I'm assuming is how it all went down. Um, you know, the postscript to all this now is this deferred money thing, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just funny. At first, I was like, kind of like laughing about it, like, you know, like, you know, that's just like it's crazy that they like did that. Um, and then, like, you know, the reality of it is, is just like these fucking assholes, like, you know, like skirted the system basically. Um, and also, I think it's, I think it's, I think my understanding is correct, but I think that that the luxury tax goes back into like. Like that is is isn't that in, evenly distributed amongst the remaining teams when they collect I, I believe, that luxury I tax? So yeah, yeah. So then they're like just screwing over like the the small market teams by doing that move. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. It's just it's crazy that that's like that he's getting paid two million dollars per year. Yeah. Um. You know, some somebody commented that that's half as much as Austin Hedges is going to be making this year. Um, uh, (laughs) you know, obviously he doesn't care because he's probably got 40 million at least in endorsement deals. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. It's unprecedented. And I don't think it could happen for, uh, any, any other player that they could, that they could get this kind of deal or maybe even would want to get this kind of deal. Um, so it's, it's really unique. Something that I thought was notable about the whole process was the secrecy, uh, involved in it. Um, Jeremy, I don't know how much you read about Nez Bolello, uh, the um, Otani's agent, but uh, yeah, he likes to keep everything very private, very secret. And all of the baseball writers um, in that last uh, week before Otani signed were all complaining about how there was no news. Um, everybody was freaking out. They tracked that flight that it turned out the guy from Shark Tank was on. Um, <laughs> it was it was a frenzy, like like 
um, like has not been seen since the decision from LeBron James. And um, I, I think that uh, I think that Otani had every right to to handle his free agency however he wanted to. And I think it was a brilliant stroke of marketing from him and his agent. The the very cause of the frenzy was the amount of secrecy that he was keeping to. Um, I, I think it was I, I thought it was kind of cool. It was very suspenseful. Um, and, you know, as much as Ken Rosenthal and all those other guys wanted to complain about it, um, I thought it was kind of neat how the whole thing played out. And he handled it better than LeBron James, I think, in the end. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Was Ken Rosenthal one of those people? He he was. I'm forgetting who the other guy other guy was, but there was another guy. I don't I don't think it wasn't John Morosi. John Morosi was the guy I think who was wrong about the flight. Um, yeah. And there, there's so many there's so many guys now, but I think Rosenthal Rosenthal did write an article for the Athletic. Um, you know, kind of complaining that uh, you know about, about the whole thing, but um, yeah, it was it was certainly fascinating. But in the end, there was all this innuendo, all this drama, and he just ended up going to the team that everybody thought he was going to go to. Yeah, definitely. It was. Uh, I don't know. Um, I I saw something else about like people like <clears throat> someone tweeted like you know people complain when they complain about this situation that you know it wasn't being talked about a lot or there's a lot of secrecy around it. And then they also complain when like players like do something like the decision or they like flaunt like this, like, um, you know, like the Scott Boris, like kind of route, which is just like, you know, trumping up their own market and everything. Obviously Otani didn't have to do that, but like, you know, it's like they lose either way for doing it. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, the other thing I think that we were talking about is just like, you know, everyone kept talking about with Otani. It's like, they're going to, you know, he's worth a hundred million dollars, $200 million himself, just in like revenue, which is great. But like, that doesn't necessarily, that does not translate to like the team spending money to also build a team around him. Now, I guess with this whole thing about with this fucking $68 million deferred, I guess that kind of throws all of that out the window. But like, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's like, the angels just seem hapless no matter what they do. So I I don't even know if they're a good example, but it's like, you know, you still have to build, um, around Otani and whoever else you have, even the Dodgers, like, even as they stand right now, I don't think they're like, they're not a shoe in for the pennant or anything. So like, I think they still have to like add pieces around him. So I I don't know. The whole thing is kind of crazy. Um, I think in the long run, it's just like, you know, we the the Cubs organization dodged that situation of being in hawk for seven seven hundred million dollars <laughs> for however many years. So you know it's um I don't know it's just uh, it's kind of a crazy situation that I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. We probably will see something like that again in our lives, but like it's I don't know it's just crazy to think about. I think the ramifications for the podcast and we were we were texting a little bit about this, but. I, you know, I for one, and you know, I, I know you're not going to necessarily agree with this, um, but I'm, I'm glad Otani didn't sign. Um, from the perspective of ticket prices, would have gone, would have gone way up. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, a Monday or Tuesday night game, you know, typically in April or May and, and September after school starts, you can get tickets for, you know, ten to fifteen bucks. Um, during the summer, it's a little pricier, but it's still maybe twenty dollar range. You you would be looking at if Otani signed on a weeknight, a Monday or Tuesday, probably forty or fifty dollar tickets at the very cheapest. Um, to say nothing of what might have happened for graphing, Jeremy, I was worried my rent was going to go up if they signed Otani. <laughs> so like, 
I'm I'm fine with it. It keep it it keeps the status quo. Um, you know whether or not the Cubs are going to sign anybody else. It looks like they might get Reese Hoskins. I don't think they're going to go after Bellinger. But uh, I I don't think anybody would have moved the needle quite like Otani in terms of guys they could have signed. So uh, strictly from from a budget standpoint and a and getting some ink on some baseball card standpoint, I'm I'm okay that he that he didn't sign. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's funny. I uh, it's when Jack when the I don't think you didn't well I don't know if you lived here when the Olympics were maybe gonna when Chicago was in the running for the Olympics. I think I had just moved here. Was that about two thousand nine? That sounds about the time that it would have okay. been. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like thinking, like, because even before they announced it, you know, there was talk about the they put in the bid for it for like years ahead of time, and I was just thinking about like how much we could like rent my mom's house out for. Sure. Um, like you know, I'm like we could we could like pay, like you know, we could we could like pay off the mortgage or something by renting it out for like two weeks or something. But, um, but yeah, so like, uh, you know, sports ramifications of, of housing costs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I will say this, Jack, I don't know. And, and obviously after all the Otani stuff, after he signed, then everyone is like, Oh, he's not worth it anyway. You know, whatever, like, you know, too way too much money to pay one player, whatever, all the stuff that people say, I, I will say at the at the risk of sounding like one of those people, Jack, I'm like I'm wondering at least for 2024, I don't know how much. I I'm just throwing this out there, like I don't know how much Otani, how much impact Otani as a DH makes on the Dodgers. Sure, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying that he's shit or something, but like I don't know. It's like he's a he's a really good piece, obviously, um, but. I don't know. I don't. I'm not that. I, I don't know. I. I mean, they didn't win with Freeman and and Betts, and so like I don't know what they're gonna, you know, how it's gonna be with Otani. Well, if you now, if but. you look at JD Martinez's numbers, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he had over 30 homers and 100 RBIs this year, and he maybe hit about 270. Yeah. Is Otani that much better than JD Martinez was this year? That's that's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's seven or you know whatever. Uh, uh, 55, 65 million dollars better than him, you know, fifty-five no. million dollars better than him. I don't know. So anyway, um, but yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I think the Dodgers need pitching. Yeah. Um. So we'll see about that. And I think they need a closer too. Probably they could probably use a closer. So yeah. Well, they they were saying they could be in on both Yamamoto and Hater. Yeah. Right. I know. I know. It's like that's that's actually the part that sucks about all this with the deferred money is like, you know, you would have thought maybe they would they wouldn't shell out for Yamamoto, but like now it sounds like they could likely get him. It's also mm-hmm. sounding like Yamamoto is going to get like, you know, a hundred million, 200 million. Like that sounds, I've seen crazy numbers on Yamamoto and I'm like, I want the Cubs to get him, but I'm like, that's kind of a lot of money. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. Um, uh, yeah, he, he kind of reminds me this, his free agency of uh, Masahiro Tanaka's, um, yeah. I, uh, I didn't know that Tanaka was, um, only 25 when he came to the Yankees. For some reason, I thought he was a little older than that, but Yamamoto is 25 as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, seems like it's going to be one of the New York teams. Um, some, something I was, I was pretty impressed about, uh, this happened, I think since the last time we recorded, but the Brewers uh, signed uh, Jackson Chorizo to a, a long-term deal. <laughs> yeah, that was I call Jack. I Jesus man, I called him Jackson Chorizo. Jackson well, Churi, 
Churio. Yeah. Um, well, uh, someone called him like when when his fir- cards first came out in Bowman, and we were watching breaks. Yeah. Uh, the someone the the breaker called him Jackson Churio, and then someone called him Jackson Chorizo, and I uh, okay. I thought it was pretty funny, and I didn't know he was going to be the number one prospect in baseball, but <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't remember the exact terms of the deal, um, but I, I think it was about eighty million dollars for yeah. you know, uh, and another unprecedented uh, deal um, for a minor leaguer. Uh, but I, I it was what the I think it was what the Milwaukee franchise needed after uh, after Council left. I mm. almost wonder if that would have happened if Council left. Uh, I feel like I feel like the Brewers were throwing their fans a bone with that one. It's exciting though. I feel like Churio might be on the team next year to, on opening day, which is cool. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Pat Murphy said he's got to earn it, but that that also seems like lip service. Um, so that that's that's mm. an exciting one for Brewers fans. I just hope Pat Murphy doesn't bench him for not running to first base or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bad way to start his uh, managerial career with, with the Brewers. But, no, for sure. Didn't Matt Williams do that with Bryce yes. Harper? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what I was referencing. There, there you <laughs> go. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, so anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what the Cubs do. I, I kind of thought maybe they would have made the Reese Hoskins thing, thing official already because it sounded like it was really like in the can almost. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I wonder if all these guys now like are like, you know, like I wonder if Reese Hoskins is like, you know, now holding out for more money because he knows the Cubs are desperate or something. So, <laughs> yeah, know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, I don't really know if I want Matt Chapman and Reese Hoskins on the team. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I am still uh, I still kind of wish that Morrell would be just be their third baseman and just they can just fucking go with that. But, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh yeah, but uh, they need uh, they need a starter, and they need a first baseman. So we'll see. You know, um, I was reading an article in the Athletic the other day, um, uh, and I, I can't remember the uh, the exact quote. But okay, uh, yeah, I, I, I um, council said Chris Morrell needs to be in the lineup. Yeah, I think were his exact words. It would be funny if he was just reading all of Dave Ross's press clippings from last year and saying the exact opposite of of what he said yeah i yeah yeah i would i i would appreciate that as it comes down. i'm just like just say I, I i honestly sometimes i'm like just say the thing you're supposed if, if you insist on doing your own stupid stubborn shit just at least say that you're going to do the the right thing and then do whatever <laughs> like i would appreciate that more than just being like you know oh we can't we don't have at bats for him it's like that's the stupidest fucking thing you could say anyway. So Yeah, uh, ag- agreed. Um, you'll get no argument here. Um, okay, well, uh, yeah, we are the episode today, and it's kind of strange that we've never really done this, is um, looking at off-season free agent signings for both the Brewers and Cubs, yeah. and uh, just um, kind, of, kind of listing off some notable ones, some notably bad ones, I would say. Yeah. Um, the, Brewers, the Brewers have a pretty lackluster history, so yeah. it wasn't too hard to... Too hard to dig there. I, um, I was gonna, I was gonna clarify, Jack, and say that I only was looking at bad signings, Jack. I think that's <laughs> what I threw out there, like initially. So, like, I, I only went with bad signings. So, you know, we'll sure. see, we'll see what um, we got from there. Well, uh, yeah, Jeremy, do you, do you want to start in, in chronological order? Um, I did not do it in chronological order. I just have a list. So okay, yeah, yeah. that that sounds good. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I could, I could start with one. Um, and, uh, I, I, I actually kind of like to go back in years, um, uh, from 2023 to a few years back. 
I started to get angry um, as I was doing this because if you look at the Brewers' free agent signings over the last few years, uh, they suck, man. They're not good. Um, yeah. Uh, and th- that was a window of contention, too, and they were just picking, picking up guys essentially off the scrap heap um, and signing them. So they're, they're, two, uh, they're two free agent signings. Well, I, I listed Wade Miley, but he wasn't really a very bad one, and I think they just signed him again. Um, mm. But Luke, Luke Voigt in 2023 yeah that was really not a good one i think we just talked about him recently on the last podcast but he he hit zero home runs for the brewers um and you know this is a year when they're trying to uh when they're trying to contend when they're trying to add pieces and they're adding a guy like luke voigt uh that's just it, it just not good yeah right um he he was part of our over unders so Yes, he was. Um, yeah, no, that was bad. I, you know, and it kind of didn't make sense. I mean, for him to hit zero home runs is unlikely. It's like if you had a bet if you would hit, uh, you know, 61 homers or zero homers, <laughs> if you had to pick one or the other, I mean, well, maybe you would pick zero, but like, you know, I don't know. It's just like I wouldn't have thought they would hit zero home runs, but no. um, that was not good. Um, so yeah, they had to re- release his ass, I guess. Did he ever? Did he pick? Did he end up with anyone else? Did he play with anyone else last year? Not in the majors, he didn't. Nope. Yikes. Yeah, pathetic. Um, yeah, that's not good. Um, well, yeah, you know, I. Um, well, let me just say I have like a, a thesis statement, I guess, overall sure. for the Cubs free agency stuff. I mean, so as far as the Cubs go and Jack, I don't know if this was like if you were conscious of this as a, a Milwaukee Brewers fan growing up, like and you were just slightly younger than me, which made a little bit of the difference. But like, you know, the Cubs were notorious for just signing washed up has been free agents. Um I think for like they were the lovable losers. They like I maybe there was there was a, a percentage of guys who probably didn't want to come here because they didn't want to play day games. Um, the Cubs wouldn't just wouldn't like put the effort into and financial effort into uh, fielding a, a World Series championship team. So like through my whole like lifetime in the late '80s and mostly '90s, they just signed just shit guys. Mostly they were guys who were like washed up. Um, so I just like, the first thing I did off the top of my head was just make a list of all the bum free agents that the Cubs have signed over the years. So like, there's kind of like a secondary list of like guys who they signed. I mean, I'll just, I'll just put all these names out there. Okay. So these are the names I kind of just jotted down, um, from my, from my head. And then some of them I added, some of these I added through like research, but okay. So Candy Maldonado, they signed. Sure. Like and most of these guys, all these guys were signed in their 30s. I think the youngest one of, of all these names that I saw was signed maybe at age 32, but they were all <laughs> later than that. Most of them were 35 and up. Uh, so Candy Maldonado, Danny Jackson, Mike Morgan, those two stand out to me. Those those three are like the three bad ones that I have off the top of my head. Uh, Willie Wilson, I think they signed when he was like 38 or something. Sure. Howard Johnson. Doug Jones, Dave Magadan, and Benito Santiago. Um, oh, man, I don't remember when Benny Santiago was on that team. Yeah, he was on for maybe one or two years, maybe in like 95, 96. Um, uh-huh. But, I mean, like, you know, way, like the his his glory days of, like, 
being a Padres rookie stud catcher who threw guys out from the crouching standpoint was like a long history. Like this is already after his knees were, were shot and like, you know, he probably couldn't walk up the stairs. So like, it was just a sad, sad thing. And then, you know, and then like people are like, Oh, Hey, we got Benito Santiago. And it's like, yeah, well he was good like 12 years ago. So like, you know, I, I guess it's cool that you you got him, but like, he's not good anymore. So yep. The, the Brewers have the, uh, a similar guy to that. Um, okay. Almost the same type of deal, but Jason Kendall. Yeah, yeah, right. Cause... They signed Jason Kendall in 2008. Um, his rookie year was 1996, so he was a 34-year-old catcher when he signed with the Brewers. Um, he hit four home runs in over 1,000 at-bats, uh, played appearances with them. Um, the guy the guy couldn't hit the ball of the warning track from second base. And he actually came from the Cubs. He I don't know yeah. if you remember this, Jeremy, oh, yeah. but he finished the 2007 season with the Cubs. Well, I was going to say, I'm like, you know, how did he not on, end up on my list? But I think he was a trade acquisition for the Cubs. He was. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he, he hit both of our teams when he was already. He actually did okay with the Cubs, like when he came over to the Cubs. But um and I think there were people who wanted to resign him, and it was—I think it was just like, "Hey, man, just be happy with what you got from him." <laughs> yeah, he hit—he hit in the two forties, um, his two seasons with the Brewers. So we, you know, not not a not an abomination, but um, you know, certainly not the catcher who was like leading off for the Pirates and hitting three twenty every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty good, Jeremy. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I was like, man, a lot of these guys are old. But that, that's kind of the nature of free agency. If You figure if yeah. a player, uh, you know, debuts at age 22 or 23. I don't know if the collective bargaining agreement has always been like this, but it takes a guy, you know, it takes a guy six or seven years to get to free agency unless they non-tender him. Um, yeah. So most of the time, guys are about 30 years old when they hit free agency. Is that, is that, am I crazy there or is that? Is no. That- I think I think I think like the majority of guys, yeah, are are in their early 30s. I would say, um, you know that, but then you know because that's why when you get a guy who's like 28 or 29 hitting free yep. agency, that's like a big deal. Um, and I don't know. I wasn't, you know, I I, I, I can't speak to how it was in like the the 90s, but um, kind of similar situations. And like I think. I think by the time the, the the Cubs were signing these guys, they were on like their third contract, you know, <laughs> their third team. Definitely, um, yeah, that's why Juan Soto's uh, free agency is going to be so big because yeah. I think he's going to be twenty six when he gets yeah. free agency. Exactly. Um, a couple of Brewers guys, and I, I had noticed this about Doug Melvin when he was the Brewers GM, but he would sign these completely average pitchers to three or four year deals, and he, he did it three times within the span of, of four years. And it was uh, Randy Wolf, Kyle mm-hmm. Loesch, and Matt Garza. Yeah. What a what a, uh, what a murderer's row of just <laughs> mediocrity. Garza was also on the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he? He, he was, yeah. The Cubs traded um, <clears throat> like three or four prospects for him. Um, in, a, in a year that they weren't like set to contend. It's like they had a, just a... A bad roster and then for some reason they traded like three or four prospects for matt garza it made no sense one of them was chris archer i mean yeah it made no sense um did they trade archer to the rays yeah yeah oh god um oh yeah I see, okay yeah i see they picked uh, garza up in 2011 they were terrible in 2011 yeah um yeah that, do- that doesn't make any sense uh matt matt garza um i hate to say it but he's one of those guys who just looks like an asshole yeah um 
Uh, and he, he, I think his last year with the Brewers, or maybe his second last year, I can't remember, but they wanted him to go to the bullpen. And he was like, nah, I don't want to do that. So they just sent him home. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I don't know if he, like, yeah, he's, I think he has a reputation for being, like, a hothead or whatever. And, like, uh-huh. I'm not sure if he ever got into, like, a, a, a locker room brawl or anything but like yeah but was he, he the guy was he the guy him and eric sogard got uh, into it and yeah. then garza was like telling sogard that uh sogard's wife that it was a man's game yeah 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 you i think you told me that story yeah that's okay like yeah yeah uh it turns out eric sogard might not be <laughs> the best guy <laughs> <either>. <laughs> but you know that's that's a case of two assholes just maybe being assholes although one is clearly like like more Cro-Magnon looking and one is like a nerdy guy, but like, right. So, so right there it's, it seems incongruous, but you know, whatever. For sure. Um, yeah. Where, where are some other Cubs, good Cubs guys? Um, all right. So I, you know, I, so there's like, I, again, I think like there's like the go-to Cubs guys, you know, I'll just say real quick, just on the same thing of Voight, you know, I should I would, I'd be remiss to met to not mention the Hosmer Mancini Barnhart signings from last year. Sure. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of mind boggling to think like as a GM or something, you go out and you sign guys in the off season and then they don't even last the whole season with your team. Um, like obviously there's like probably smaller, like, like utility guys or role player guys who maybe you, their their roster, uh, you know, space victims. But like, those are three guys who like, you know, we're supposed to be contributors to the team. And then they were gone by whenever June, or I think Barnhart maybe lasted till August maybe or something, but, but yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of crazy that you sign these guys, you make a point to sign these guys. And then like, you're, you're like by like a couple months into the season, you're done with them. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy uh, at Cubs convention, they interviewed both Barnhart and Hosmer on the red carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was a big deal. But yeah, Hosmer like walked through that that lobby like he was like um, you know uh, LeBron James or, or <laughs> Joe Mon- Joe Namath like you know coming out of a limousine in 1976 or something. So for you know. sure, <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, yeah, it's quite a quite a swing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I got those guys on there. Um, I feel like I might have more guys than you, Jack. So let me just I'll just kind of. Back yeah, to back here sure. Well, well, one I'll mention while you're yeah. um, while you're paring uh, things down is, is another guy that played on both both of our teams, um, Jose Hernandez. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he played he played three seasons with the Brewers. He actually made an All Star team, uh, but he was he was famous for striking out a lot. Uh, he was a shortstop that hit for power, but. Um, you know, he, he was just—he was a much maligned Brewer just for how often he struck out. At 2001, he struck out 185 times. In 02, he struck out 188 times. Now, this is back in you know 2001 and 2002 when that was a, when people still cared about strikeouts. Um, so yeah, he was—he uh, was not well liked. I didn't like him when he was on the Brewers, but that didn't stop me from getting his autograph this year and really wanting it uh, when he was the bench coach for the Orioles. Uh, yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> I think yeah. The Cubs managed to acquire him. They, I know he was with the Cubs twice, I believe. Um, I think they acquired him both times via trade. So, so he he's not on my list, but um, sure. But yeah, just uh, yeah, he, he was a bad guy. I like. I remember when the Cubs traded him a second time. It was like I can't believe we managed to trade 
uh, Jose Hernandez. We found a taker for him, and he was part of the uh, Kenny Lofton Aramis Ramirez trade. Um, right to the to the pod or pirates. So like you know, I can't believe that someone found a trade partner with him. I guess while since we're since we're on that topic, I can go with another guy on my list who like again the Cubs like had this guy. This was different because he was a free agent signing, and he was a disaster. But the Cubs managed to actually trade him, and not only did they manage to trade him, but they traded him for like two important pieces uh, on a playoff team. Uh, so Todd Hundley is on my list. Oh God, sure, man. I used to like Todd Hundley. Yeah, yeah. It's um, he he his time with the Cubs was bad. I have um, <clears throat> this article I wanted to read really quick about Todd Hundley because I it was a little bit it was in two thousand eight, so I just wasn't like well, actually, that's when the article came out. He was signed in two thousand one, I believe. Um, but. Yeah, so real quick, I just want to – there's a little just kind of summary of his time with the Cubs, basically. So um, Andy McPhail signed Hundley to a four-year, $24 million contract. For a catcher at Hundley's age at the time, he turned 32 in May 2001. It might have been one too many years, but it didn't seem that much at the time, and the move was widely hailed by fans and media alike. It started turning, <clears throat> excuse me. It started turning sour before Hundley played even one game in his hometown. Manager Don Baylor decided to start Girardi, who <clears throat> now Hundley's backup on opening day, claiming it was better a better matchup against Montreal's Javier Vasquez. I was at that game, by the way. Nice. Um, the scheduled visiting starter sounds strange. I know Girardi hit right-handed and Hundley was a switch hitter. But that was Baylor for you, for what? Um, so whatever. Hundley whined and complained, and then he didn't play. And then when he didn't play, he didn't hit. And then when he did play, he didn't hit. His highest average in 2001 was 213, and that was on April 26th. He wound up hitting 187. Uh, shout out Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with 12 homers in 70 in 79 games, a decent power output. Although he still had a Nafi Perez esque 374 slugging percentage. He was also miffed that Damon Buford, who had been a teammate of his with the 95 Mets, wouldn't give up his number nine, Randy's num- Randy Hundley, his dad's number, so that Todd could wear it. Todd took 99 instead, but quickly switched to nine when Buford was released on May 16, <laughs> 2001. At one point, he flipped off some fans at Wrigley Field, and that, along with his poor performance, turned fans against him, and he was routinely booed the rest of his time in Chicago. Wow. Um... And then, you know, all this stuff, he, uh, he gave an interview in which he said it was too cold to hit early in the season, thus giving rise to what some called the two list, too cold, then too wet, then too hot, then too early. Todd wasn't fond of all the day games. Um, wow. Okay. And then, yeah. So then finally Jim Hendry, who had replaced, replaced Andy McPhail as GM halfway through the 2002 season, found a way for Todd to contribute. He sent him in the two years remaining on his contract to the Dodgers, who wanted to dump the contracts of Mark Grudzelanek and Eric Karros. You know the rest of the story. Karros and Grudzelanek became key parts of the 03 Cubs NL champions. And Todd, well, he played in 21 games for the Dodgers, catching only 10 of them, and sat out the 2004 season, the final contract, uh, final year of his contract with an injury. So, wow. That's the unceremonious like, run and decline, rapid decline of Todd Hundley. Jeez, man. Um, yeah, I didn't know he was such a hated Cub. Uh, I, yeah. I really mainly only remember him from the from the Mets when he was good. 
Yeah. No, he came into the Cubs and was horrible. And like it was supposed to be a nice thing because because you know it was a you know Todd a Randy Hundley's son coming right. here and he just was horrible and hated. And I remember even Chip Carey, like I remember Chip Chip Carey was the announcer at the time and he was like. Well, we call him Hot Rod because he's got a bad temper or something. Like <laughs> I remember, like he was like calling him Hot Rod, and like um, it was, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was just a bad time. And then they actually traded him, and they traded him for two key pieces of the '03 Cubs team. So I, I don't know. It was crazy. Nice man. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a good story. I didn't, I didn't, had never gone that far in depth on him. <laughs> The fact that the the Buford thing, like Damon Buford, I remember Damon Buford as a as a Cub center fielder bum, and like the fact that like he was even fucking with Todd Hundley is just like too much, like too much uh, to to not laugh about. That's also and and that's great because you know when he found out Buford got cut, he was like, "Yes, I can get his number now," which yeah. is kind of like it's like a guy just lost his job, dude. Yeah, no, he was probably like, fuck this fucking asshole. Like, you know, now I can get my fucking number I wanted. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, unbelievable. Okay, I didn't uh, I didn't know that. Nice. Um, this is why we do these episodes. Uh, you know, Jeremy, I, I have one here that I specifically remember from when I was a kid. Um, and that's uh, Sean Barry when the Brewers signed him. Do you remember oh, Sean yeah. Barry at all? He was an expo, yeah? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was on the expos, um, uh, you know, was on the Royals for a bit. He'd be a good immaculate grid guy. Um, I remember him coming over from Houston. Uh, yeah, the Brewers signed him in, in before the 1999 season to be their everyday first baseman, um, despite the fact that he had only played three games at first base in his entire career. <laughs> um, these were the these were the types of moves that the Brewers were making in the late 1990s, just a completely aimless, directionless franchise. Um, he proceeded in 1999 to hit. Uh, to hit 228 with two home runs in 259 official at bats uh, yeah. as as the everyday first baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, so yeah, good uh, good luck with that. Thanks for playing Sean Barry. Um, so bad. Yeah, that's that's ugly. Um, I didn't realize Sean Barry had that long of a career. I just I kind of just remember him on the Expos. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, and he like. You know, he had a, a little run there. Like he did. Three or four years where he was, like, pretty serviceable. Um, so he was on those 94 Expos, that's, so that's the thing, right? He was, yeah. And, I mean, the year before he came to the Brewers, he hit three fourteen. Um, so that must have been when, when the Brewers signed him. I remember there were articles in the Milwaukee <clears throat> Journal Sentinel, like, oh, like, the Brewers signed Sean Barry. Like, you know, this is, this is going to be, like, the plan this year is to play him every day at first base. Yeah. Um, people were people were excited about it, and then uh, and then and then that happened: two home runs and uh, a two twenty eight average and over two hundred at bats. People were actually excited about that. They <laughs> yeah, were. That's, yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, again, I wouldn't have known that that perspective. So that's that's why I think it's good that we focus on these two teams because I think we we have these personal, uh, you know, memories of of what the the buzz was like. For these sure. sorts of things so um so yeah that's a good one um so i will um again another like kind of low-hanging fruit one that i'll just like throw out there um was milton bradley um, sure just a bad contract signing i i remember i'm trying to remember like there were some other guys in that free agent class that like the cubs were going after like they they could have gone after and they ended up going with milton bradley i wish i don't i would probably take too long to search it right now but like 
there were I remember that that was kind of like there was like I don't know like three really good hitters out there that year and like somehow like sabermetrically Milton Bradley sounded like the best one um, of the bunch now again like kind of similar like leading into that year um, that they signed him he was an all-star for the Texas Rangers um, 22 homers he hit 321 um with a 436 OBP, so a 999 OPS. Um, in 07, split between the the A's and the Padres, um, 13 homers, 306. So he was this guy, like at the very least, he was going to hit for average um, when the Cubs signed him. Um, <clears throat> the one year that the Cubs did have him, he hit 12 homers and hit 257. So, and his OPS dropped all the way to 775. Um, so definitely not what they were hoping for. And then he was gone the next year. I think they made that trade, um, bad contract for bad contract with Seattle where they got acquired, uh, Carlos Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course the, uh, the highlight of the Milton Bradley era was when I was at, um, a golf tournament, uh, which I think I, I, I had to have told this story on the podcast, I'm sure. But when I was at a golf tournament and Joe Buck was was in, there was a pro am round and Joe Buck was golfing, and uh, I I was in the gallery and I I yelled, "Hey Joe Buck, uh, Cubs fans love you," and he retorted with, "Oh yeah, do you love Milton Bradley?" <laughs> and, uh, um, and then I kind of like that ended <laughs> that conversation. But um, but yes, even Joe Buck on a golf course during a pro am was. I mean, he was doing it to to badmouth me, but like he was, he he used Milton Bradley as bait to uh, <laughs> to 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 hurt me as a Cubs fan. So nice, uh, yeah, Jeremy. It, it it is funny that he would be an asshole right back to you, which is yes. uh, which which is pretty good. I'll, I'll give him I'll give him some credit for that. Yeah, no, um, he earned he earned respect with me with with that. I mean, because he was like ready for it. It's just kind of, I feel like sometimes when guys when people are like that quick with like a response, they're almost like they're like, all right, someone's gonna. I need I need to be like locked and loaded because someone's gonna give me shit. But sure. like yeah, so he he was he was ready for it. Um yeah, that's awesome. I, I remember um my one memory of Milton Bradley on the Cubs is I was at a game uh, and he was in the on deck circle and you know, Pat Vendetti wasn't pitching and there was not a switch pitcher. Uh but for whatever reason, you know, Bradley would take a swing <laughs> from the right from the right side and then he would like, you know, flip the bat around and take a swing from the left side. Like he was he was in the on deck circle swinging from both sides of the plate. Basically it was like, yeah. what, what is this? This guy is a, a psycho. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder like maybe, maybe someone was warming up like in just in case, like they brought in a guy, but it doesn't, um, I don't know if anyone else has ever done that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, Jeremy, before before we continue, uh, I guess, with another guy here from the Brewers, I, I do want to mention, I forgot because he was a couple years earlier, but Jeff Supan is also yeah. um, also in that mix of guys the Brewers signed to three- and four-year contracts who were just, you know, completely average, if not terrible. Um, yeah. You know, uh, one guy here, uh, Jeremy, um, that isn't, wasn't bad, but it's, it's kind of cool that he's on the Brewers, and I, or he was on the Brewers, and I, I always forget about it. But Dave Parker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. They signed him. You know, he only played on the Brewers for one full season. He played 157 games for them. uh, And he hit 289 with 21 homers as a 39-year-old man. Um, I was too young to – I'm too young to remember Dave Parker as a player. 
Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's cool that he was on the Brewers. So I guess I guess we can at least say that. Yeah, it was his last good year, basically in the big. Yes, leagues. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is cool. I, I same thing, Jack. I, I you know I I don't truly know like um you know what Dave Parker was like in his heyday, but like I did see like uh, a special on the '79 uh, Pirates, and um, he seemed like you know a bad dude, but in a good way, you know. Sure. Like, yeah. Yes. So and uh, yeah, just a great average for guy. Uh, hitter for average and and power so um so yeah that's pretty cool yeah um i guess one one bad one um this is a little bit more recent but eric thames oh yes of course do you yeah i don't know if you remember when the brewers signed him but they signed him to a three-year i think it was a 15 million dollar deal and then like the first month of the season he was babe ruth um you know he he had 31 homers in 2017 I bet you about 16 of those were against the Reds. It was crazy. <laughs> he would just he would just crush the Reds, and then they were accusing him of either doing steroids or stealing signs or, or both. Um, but yeah, that, you know, he, he completely fell off, and then you know the next year he had 16 homers, and then 25 after that, and and then he was out of baseball after the pandemic season. Um, just a completely unremarkable signing. The Brewers were uh, completely uh, without a paddle after Prince Fielder retired. They just cycled in a whole bunch of first basemen. Mark Reynolds is on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. Lyle Overbay, Chris Carter, mm-hmm. who is also on my list of free agent signings. Um, just this uh, just this rogues gallery of, uh, of bad first basemen after Prince Fielder. And, I mean, it's kind of continued a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we just mentioned Luke Voigt. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, going to yeah, say. Yeah, Luke Voigt, Rowdy, Rowdy Telez, John Singleton. Yeah, right. Uh, I loved uh, his movie uh, Boys in the Hood, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, Rowdy Tula, I just saw Rowdy Tula sign with the Pirates today. So okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't the Pirates sign Dan Vogelbach last year? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, or, or maybe that was two years ago. Uh, Vogie was on the uh, Mets Mets last year, but um, uh, yeah, that I, that, I guess that seems like an appropriate fit. For the Pirates, uh, Rowdy Telez seems like a pirate. He's still probably not going to sign next year. No, probably not. Um, so we can only hope that um, you know there's a guy there to call him fat or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like for years the Cubs couldn't like replace um, uh, Ron Santo at third base, and they just like up until um, Aramis Ramirez, they they never had like a year in year out third baseman so interesting okay yeah yeah ron say for a little bit in the 80s but um so yeah so let's see um again i just i've I've, i'm gonna get all these ones out of the way and then I, i have some fun ones but um when the uh the theo epstein regime began with the cubs um you know he like there was a lot of there was the same idiots out there, like who were saying, like, oh, well, who the hell is this guy? You know, who does he think he is? Is he gonna be some kind of savior?" And like people, for the first like three, four years of the <clears throat> the uh, the Ricketts Epstein regime, people just couldn't understand that the Cubs were not trying to contend; that they were just mm-hmm. like trying to like build up their farm system and uh, you know set themselves up for continued success. Um, so then like, you know, immediately this, all the signings that they did were, were criticized. 
Um, and so the first couple signings of that regime, I think, were David DeJesus and, of course, Edwin Jackson, um, mm-hmm. both of which were bad. But at that point, they were just trying to, like, fill the roster. And, like, I think, you know, Edwin Jackson, they were just trying to, like, fill innings. Um, he, he got a lot of money. He got a big contract. But it was it was kind of market value. Um and, um, you know, if he was good, that was a bonus, I think. I think it was literally just like a warm body. Um, right. So, you know, it got a lot of flack. And, and he was bad. Um, but that wasn't really the, the goal of the team at that time. So, like, I don't think people really could wrap their heads around that. Um, and, you know, I mean, I guess you're asking people to pay money to go to a game and stuff. So like there is that, but um, you know, I don't know. That's just what the situation was. Um, Another guy, I don't know if he was part of that first year with Theo Epstein, but one of their early guys that they signed to was Ian Stewart. Uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. He was horrible. He was just horrible as a cub. Um, Just, I don't, I don't have his numbers in front of me. I can pull them up real quick, but um, (laughs) it was, was uh, was he on the rock, the Rockies before the Cubs? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was on the Rockies. Um, in 2009, I mean, he was never a huge average guy, especially in Colorado, but like he had 25 homers in 09, um, 18 homers in uh, 2010, but then boosted his average up to 256. It looks like he was kind of injured in 2011, and then he came over to the Cubs, and uh, in 55 games in 2012, he hit 201 with five homers in 55, oh, 55 games. So it was just really bad. It, it made you long for Mike Alt, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I remember. I remember those years uh, when they when they weren't trying to contend. Uh, I, I guess that that didn't stop you from disliking Edwin Jackson. <laughs> no, I mean, like he was. It was a it was a chore to you know have to watch him pitch, and I think Jack. Did we did we go to any games where he pitched? I feel like we might have. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, man. We went to, we went to tons of them. I remember that, yeah. uh, they played, uh, the Padres one time and nine straight Padres scored yes. against him. You're right. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's, was that the game where we sat in the corner with like, we were with like Mark and, uh, yeah, we were Mark with Boga. Mark. Yeah. That was one yeah. of the first, that, that, that wasn't one of the first Cubs games we went to, but it was, it was early in the, early in the, the era of us going. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it sucked to go to a game like, you know, when you don't go to a game, even if you go to 10 games a year, even if one of them is a, was an Edwin Jackson start, it was a bummer. Cause you kind of knew they were going to lose that game. You just knew it before you even walked through the turnstile. So, right. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's not great. No, 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 for sure. Um, well that's, yeah, that's that. Those are, those are good ones, Jeremy. And I, I, I also like your impression of, uh, you know, a skeptical Cubs fans as well. <laughs> were, were they actually out there? Were people actually skeptical of him? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, not so much like White Sox fans, but if you ever listen to the score, uh, Chicago sports radio, like they've, these people pop out of the woodwork. There's people who like, <laughs> they didn't, they were threatened by Theo Epstein probably because he wore like a, a collared shirt and like a, a blazer, you know, like, sure. like who the hell does this guy think he is? You know? So, <laughs> so there's that they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're definitely on the south side, but they're they're everywhere. There's Cubs fans that that are like that too, of course. Nice. We um, we see some of them at the bus, you know. So yes, yes, hundred uh, percent. Um, all right. Uh, well, I guess we can do a a, a few more here, uh, Jeremy. Um, uh, I was going to do one. Um, uh, not necessarily a bad signing again, 
but a guy that I, I bring up on this podcast frequently, uh, Joe Oliver, signed with the mm-hmm. Brewers in, in 1995. Um, you know, I don't know how vivid your memories of Joe Oliver are, but uh, I, he's the only guy I've ever written a fan letter to that I got a response from. And, you know, I'm one for one because it was the only fan letter I ever wrote. So <laughs> um, I liked him. He was only on the Brewers for one year, and then I think he went back to the Reds. Uh, but, he, you know, he's one of those guys. If the Brewers signed Joe Oliver now, knowing what I know about baseball, I'd be like, oh, yeah, great. But, um, you know, back then, like, I, I was at a game. I predicted he would hit a home run, uh, and he did. And then he became my hero, which is, you know, what sometimes <laughs> happens when you're a, a nine-year-old kid. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, was, that was cool that he was on this list. Also on this list, um, not a good signing for the Brewers, really. It was pretty lackluster. But Jody Reed, they signed him in 1994. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I, 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 um, I uh, will always have a fondness for the 1990 Reds, um, sure. personally. And, and obviously Joe Oliver was, um, kind of the starting catcher for that team. So yeah, definitely. I always think of him for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, <clears throat> um, and then, uh, Jody Reed. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I feel like was Jody Reed ever like, did he, was he a starter at any point? Maybe for the Red Sox. I feel um, like- yes, yeah, yeah. I, I I do believe he was, and I think I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was the the Padres that he went to after the Brewers. But um, yeah. Okay. I mean, he wasn't. He definitely wasn't uh, wasn't bad. Uh, yeah. You know, and a super nice guy as well. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, it's a whole different perspective. Um, so um, yeah, you know, I think. Uh, I'm going to blow through a couple more. I still have a sizable list, Jack. I don't know how many more you have, but yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead, man. You can rattle some off. Yeah. So, you know, obviously just for the sake of, of the list, Jason Hayward, um, is on that list. Um, just the fact that he's re-signed again for the, the, the Dodgers, like, um, the fact that he has a, he got a new contract, like, you know, I don't know if what he's making, like it's whatever it is, it's too much. He should like be paying the league back money. But like the fact that he was able to sign another contract after this contract is just crazy. The contract with I, the Cubs. I agree, man. I thought he was going to be out of baseball. Yeah, I know. And so for some reason, like he's like serviceable with the Dodgers. I mean, he's, he stuck with the Dodgers all season, I think last year. So yeah, he did. Um, we saw him play first base. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, one year, $9 million contract he signed. Jesus, man. I mean, it's just like here you go. Here's another nine million on top of the 180 or whatever it was that he <laughs> he got from the Cubs. So like, um, it's just crazy. It's crazy that he signed another contract after after that. Um, uh, Kosuke Fukudome was like, so for the first month that Kosuke Kosuke Fukudome was with the Cubs, he was like, you know, um the uh the predecessor to, to Otani like he was just like a legend and then like as soon as the league figured him out it was just like whoa we're in trouble cuz this mm-hmm. guy can't hit and he has no power um but uh but yeah he hit that that game tying home run on opening day uh off of Eric Gagne against the Brewers uh, I was at that game with my dad I'll never forget it um I I famously traded Prince Fielder in my fantasy keeper league for Kosuke Fukudome. Uh, that was a bad move, um, in, in retrospect. Um, and, uh, he was just bad, um, for, you know, he was, he was, he was just like totally lackluster for like the remainder of his contract. Um, so it was definitely a disappointment there. And, um, 
you know, it was a big deal signing at that time. But uh, but he was like, you know, an older he was 31 when they signed him. Um, and uh, yeah, it was with them for four years, three and parts of the fourth year. Um, uh, his highest average, even that first year, he finished with a 257 average uh, and 10 homers. Uh, 259 and 11 homers, 263 and 13 homers. He actually like actually improved his third year in some crazy way. Um, but yeah, he was a career 258 hitter in the major leagues, and he like just retired. He went back to Korea and like he just retired like a year or two ago, which Seriously? is crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was playing in Korea or in uh, Japan. Uh, yeah, Japan. Sorry. Um, for like you know. Just that whole time after he 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 last played in the majors in 2012 with the White Sox, and then he went back to Japan and like played that whole time, like played for like up until I I want to say it was last year like he retired. Jeremy, I don't remember him with the White Sox. Yeah, I know. I mean, 24 games in 2012, um, <laughs> but yeah, he was there um, and uh, not good. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Eric Gagne. He was on my list for the Brewers. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think they signed him to a one-year $10 million deal. I'm, I'm looking at that right now, what he made that year. It was some, some ridiculous uh, figure. Um, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Uh, a- anyway, um, yeah, he was a complete bust for them. His ERA was over five. Uh, I don't know if this was before or after they found out that he was a steroid guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just it was just not a good signing. That was in the era, too, where they had, like, a bunch of weird closers like him, Derek Turnbow. Uh, John mm. Axford eventually took over and did well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, one year, $10 million from the Brewers um, for a, about 40 appearances and a 550 ERA. So th- thanks a lot. You know, the guy made $10 million for that. I want to say that it was known that he was a steroid guy by that point because, like, he was, like, just all, like, it was all a mirage, like, those years that he was good. Right, uh, and I feel like it was known at that point. I was like, "How? Why are teams still signing this guy?" Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was an 08, the one year with the with the Brewers that he he. Um, so that on opening day he gave up that home run to Fugadomi. <laughs> so that, that wasn't a great start for him with the Brewers. Uh, Derek Turnbow, maybe the ugliest guy that I ever saw in baseball. Like yeah. Would, would him and would him and Jonah Heim be the ugliest battery in history if they got uh, together? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, okay. I would say I will also say this, though that um, Derek Turnbow makes Jonah Heim look like a cover model. You know, <laughs> Derek yeah, he, he just, makes him look like Timothy Chalamet or something like yeah, that. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he he makes Jonah Heim look like Corey Heim. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's Corey Haim but uh, but you, you catch my drift sure. um yeah and uh yeah so anyway I don't know. oh oh and then John Axford Jack I was gonna say I used John Axford on uh in, uh, Immaculate Grid the other day for uh oh was Blue- it was it for Brewers Blue Jays yes yeah that's yeah. a good call what was the percentage on that um I don't remember I think it was it was respectable it was like in the single digits I think Nice. I, I stopped. I think I just I, I stopped doing that grid. I just lost. Uh, you know, I had to look away from it and I, ne- I never went back. But that's a that's a good one to use if I would ever. No, you know who I used was Luke Maley. Oh, yeah. OK. Might might sure. have been under one percent on that one. A- any any time the Brewers pop up on Immaculate Grid, I, I try to go for under one percent. I'm, I'm sure you're the yeah. same way with the Cubs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Exford was one percent. Nice. OK. Yeah. yeah. Pretty respectable. A good one. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I just went with Fuka Dome. Well, you did Gagne, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did Gagne. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's get into some. There's a lot of of closers uh, here for the Cubs. Um, I'll I'll couple these two together. Um, just because. Although I I put one on the list first, and like I kind of forgot how bad the second guy was too. But slightly before your time, Jack. But um, Mel Rojas and Dave Smith. Okay, um, yeah, I, I remember Mel Rojas, not not yeah. Dave Smith so much. So Dave Smith was a closer for the uh, Astros in the 80s, and he was, like, great. He was, like, a really good uh, closer for them uh, for many years. Um, let's see. He was with them from 1980 to 1990, um, but, like, from 85 to 90, he had 27 saves, 33, 24, 27, 25, and 23. Um, ERA never above 273. Um, never above three, though. Never above two, you know, 273. Uh, and then he comes to the Cubs, and it's like he was 35 at that point, but he had just, he was coming off of an all star season where he had a 239 ERA and 23 saves. Um, and then he comes to the Cubs, and he, in 35 games, he had a six ERA. He was 0 6, and he had 17 saves. Um, he was horrible, just horrible. It's like, I couldn't, I knew that he was a good pitcher and like, I'm like, how could he be this bad? Um, and then he pitched in 11 games in 20, in 1992. Um, and then was out of baseball just done. I mean, he was, you know, 37 at that point, but sure. Again, it's one of those guys, they signed him when he was 35 and it's like, well, what do you expect? But (laughs) you know, he also like, it seemed like he should have been better than a six ERA for sure from to go from 237 to six and then out of baseball is crazy um so so yeah so there's that uh Mel Rojas was like uh yeah a long time uh, was like a not long time but he was like a a good closer for the Expos for for mm-hmm. several years um and then he comes to the Cubs and he uh had a 442 ERA 13 saves and then they traded him I think I was looking up uh an article they signed him i want to say to like a three-year deal and it was a good amount of money i closed the 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 tab i guess but it was a good amount of money for for 1997 and um he was gone by halfway through this first year uh he went to the mets um and was not any better and just like (laughs) actually if you look at his 1999 season he played with three different teams um his era was um he was with the Dodgers, the Tigers, and the Expos, and his ERAs with both with all those teams were 12, 12.60, 22.74, and 16.88. I don't even know how to say those ERAs, you know. Like, I don't even know how to say those ERAs because they're just so high. It sounds like I'm <laughs> saying, like, you know, I'm saying, like, a basketball score or something. So Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, yeah, crazy. I, I was thinking, yeah, or a football score or something. But, yeah, um, yeah four, 14 innings and uh, uh, 28 earned runs allowed. Uh, that, that's that's amazing. It's exactly an 18 uh, ERA um, when you combine those three teams. Uh, yeah, just uh, just terrible, Jeremy. Uh, career numbers, career ERA, not that bad. But, uh, man, you know, when the, the guy fell off a cliff in a hurry. Yeah, I know. I don't know what happened with both of those guys, but they just they they were bad. So um, I still think of those guys when I think of like bad closers and just you know 
bad free agent signings for the Cubs. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, sure. Jeremy, the Brewers, uh, I think we were just talking about this guy, but they, they signed Doug Jones, um, I think it was in the 96 mm. or 97 offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't he the guy we were just talking about that he, like, died of COVID? Yes. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned him earlier, like, as part of that, those washed-up guys with yes. the Cubs. He, um, yes, he would sign his autographs PTL, which stands for Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and then he died of COVID. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, man, I had no memory of him on the Cubs. I had no idea. No. But yeah, I, it looks like he was on the 96 Cubs for part of that season. Yeah. Honestly, neither do I. I don't know yeah. if that was the year I was, you know, that was the beginning of me checking out. I, I cannot, even like the most random guys, I can picture them in a Cubs uniform. And for some reason, Doug Jones, I just cannot picture him in a Cubs uniform. No. Um, yeah, definitely not. Even though he looks like a guy who would have uh, who would have been on the Cubs. Yeah, I can see. He he looks like Rod Beck a little bit. Sure, sure. Uh, who's also dead, isn't he? I believe he is, yes. Jesus, okay. Um, and, and Dave Smith is dead, too, I should mention while we're talking about it. We'd be able to find those in What's-His-Face's uh, autographs uh, bin. Um, I see you found my deceased player's box. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh man, that guy's that guy's great. Um, okay, uh, you know one one more. I guess one more of note, uh, Jeremy here for me. Um, okay. Uh, well, okay, I'll I'll say two. The only the only reason I put this guy on here was Damian Miller because of course mm. you know uh, Mark Bubblebath said he would looks like he'd be no fun to hang out with. Um, yep. Not necessarily a bad free agent signing, just whatever. But any time you can mention Damian Miller, it's good. Um, also, uh, nineteen seventy six. The Brewers' first big free agent signing was Sal Bando. Um, mm. He didn't have. He was okay with the Brewers. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't the player he was with the A's anymore. But that ended up being a, a bad free agent signing because um, it uh, it was the beginning of a long and and sad relationship Sal Bando had with the Brewers. I don't know uh, how how soon after he retired he started working in their front office, but he eventually became their general manager. And he was the guy who was responsible for a lot of their bad signings, uh, pretty much all of their bad signings in the in the mid and late 90s. Um, Wendy Seelig Preeb, when she fired him, said it was like firing my uncle. Uh, just just terrible. Um, so, uh, you know, you can thank Bud Seelig for that. Uh, but, um, you know, it ended up... Uh, it ended up being a bad thing for the Brewers to have him associated with uh, with them. I don't think he was cut out to be a GM. And he died uh, earlier this year. He died in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he passed away in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, even though he's not from Wisconsin. So the, he must have loved living here. The state of Wisconsin couldn't couldn't shake him. Um, so, yeah, Cap, Captain Sal, he was the Brewers' like first ever big free agent signing. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really – no one stood out to me in those early years of, like, the Cubs guys. I wonder who the Cubs' first big free agent signing was. But, um, yeah, I, I, have, I have so many more <laughs> that, I could, that I could touch on here, Jack. Um, uh, I'll just try to blow through a couple really quick. Um, at some point, the Cubs signed Chad Tracy. Um, sure. He was horrible, and I think he was gone by, you know, May – um, but I had high hopes for him because he was um, he had some good year. He had like a, a good little showing with the Diamondbacks. Sure. Uh, Brad Brock is a guy the Cubs signed that was just horrible. Brock is a crock. That's another. Uh, <laughs> it's another Mark Bubblebath one. 
Yes, I was going to say he's kind of like in the podcast era, Brad Brock, a little bit. Yeah, maybe, for maybe sure. at the very beginning. Um, let's see. Uh, I have Alfonso Soriano on my list. Like, he was yep. just, you know, I don't know. He, like, famously, the Cubs, like, kind of were bidding against themselves to sign him. He was um, a disappointment. I, I made my peace with Alfonso Soriano at some point because I realized that he just didn't care about winning. He just, like, liked, he just seemed like to enjoy playing baseball. But yeah had no like desire to win or contend. And so like when I, <laughs> I don't know how you really make peace with that, but when I understood where he was coming from, um, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, dangerous minds or like uh, the principal or something. Well, maybe not the principal, but like when you, it's like, you know, there's this like disconnection between like the teacher and like the, the troubled students or something. And then once they actually like understand where each other's coming from, they, they get along and so, like, you know, it's like, yeah, Soriano just doesn't care about winning, you know. That's that, that's on the Cubs for, for paying the guy as much as they did. They probably should have asked him if he wants to win a World Series, if that would, like, move the needle at all for him. And he probably would have said no, and then maybe they would have signed someone else. But, um, so, yeah, I got him on there. Um, two guys I have to mention, um, again, in more recent – one more in more recent times. I get both kind of in recent times. Uh, Daniel Descalso was horrible Mm -hmm. and i'm putting him with aaron miles because aaron miles also was horrible god i don't even remember aaron miles being associated with the cubs yeah yeah they signed him and like i think people were like oh he could be a good piece up the middle it's like no he won't he's he's horrible like he's gonna hit 220 and hit one homer if you're lucky and like just be like forgettable on the field and i feel like that's pretty much what he was so Aaron Miles and Daniel Descalso, I put them both together. I think both former Cardinals, too. Yeah, they were. Um, all right. Do you have any more, Jack, or should I just plow through the rest of these? Uh, yeah, I think I, I had uh, had one more here. Um, I, I was going to say Charlie Hayes. I remember when the oh, Brewers yeah. signed him. That was another Sean Berry <laughs> type of signing. They signed him in, in 2000. Uh, Charlie Hayes, I believe he famously caught the last out of a World Series. I don't yeah. know if it was the 99 World Series or, or what, um, but, uh, yeah, he caught it uh, with the Yankees. Yeah. Anyway, the Brewers signed him. Um, I think that was the same season that Big Blue came crashing down on uh, on Miller Park and delayed the opening of that stadium a year. Uh, so those were just dark days for the Brewers. But, mm. yeah, Charlie Hayes was another guy they threw out there at first base every day for, like, half a season. Um, just not good. I wonder if uh, I wonder like if he had a bad time there, and I wonder if Cabrian Hayes has any ill will towards the the Brewers organization. Yeah, maybe maybe Cabrian Hayes can sense that I'm a Brewers fan, and that's why he's never signed for us. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, exactly. they say he's a good signer, so I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, we have not gotten him. Um, all right, Jack. Uh, so one thing actually that I came across in my my research, Jack. Did I did not realize this, but so okay, so Jamie Moyer started with the Cubs uh-huh. um, in '86. Pitched his first three years in baseball with the Cubs. Um, yeah, '86 to '88. Jack, I did not know this, but the Cubs actually re-signed him in 1992. Really? Um, yeah, in age 29 season. So he had he had, he went from the Cubs to the Rangers. He pitched one year with the Cardinals. And then the Cubs actually re-signed him in 92 in, like, January and then released it, like, for spring training. And then they released him, like, in the middle or the end of spring training. He signed with the Tigers and spent the whole 92 season in the minor leagues with the Tigers. 
And from there on, he only went on to pitch like 20 more years in <laughs> in baseball. So like he, yeah, then he, he resurfaced in the majors in 1993 and then pitched till uh, 2012. So, you know, I always like was kind of sad that the, Cubs like were kind of a footnote in Jamie Moyer's career because he mm-hmm. just stuck stuck around for so long and was like pretty good and definitely above between good and serviceable for for many many years. Sure. Um but uh it's crazy that the Cubs actually re-signed him at some point. Yeah, so. that is uh that is nuts, man. It, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't I didn't even know that he started with the Cubs. Oh yeah. Yeah, him and uh, Maddox started about the same time. Okay. Um, and they were both bad, like for their first like year or so. <laughs> um, Moyer's ERA's his first year, first year five oh five five ten, and then he he went he had a three forty eight uh, ERA in nineteen eighty eight. He was nine and fifteen though, but um, but yeah, those were bad teams. But um, but yeah, and then he ended up bouncing around. But uh, yeah, he was not good that whole time. He must have figured something out. I wonder if he figured it out with the the Tigers in the minor leagues. Because after that, when he came back, he came back to stay and he was actually pretty good from there on out. Yeah, so. he was. Um, yeah, and his former teammate Maddox pitched until about 2009. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Both of those guys lasted a long time. Yeah. Two guys that started with the Cubs. Um, so, I got a couple more guys here. Um, Chad Fox. Jack, do you remember Chad Fox? He was on the Brewers for a while. Yeah, he was, right. Um, he was a guy who ended up with the Cubs, and, like, the Cubs kept re-signing him. He pitched he, – the Cubs signed him. I want to say he pitched, like, maybe, like, a half a season with them or two months or something, and then, like, he just had this really bad arm injury. I forgot what it was, but it was a really bad arm injury, and he – um had a season ending injury. It looked like maybe he was out of baseball, but the Cubs like re-signed him so he could like rehab. And he came back to the Cubs. Like I want to say two years after that injury. And I was like, why are they bringing this guy back? Like I think where most people would have thought it was a feel good story. I, it was just annoying to me because it's like, we got to have better guys than Chad Fox. He was never that good to begin with. Why (laughs) are we giving him like a second and third chance with this team? So they was, um, uh, you know, a frustrating footnote uh, for the for the Cubs. Um, Jack Kuji Fujikawa was another like bad signing. Like came over um, from Japan and was never good with the Cubs. Never. Like he came to the major leagues and just was not good. He was just not fit for the major leagues. Um, <laughs> he stuck around for a little bit. I think the funny thing about Kuji Fujikawa was. Um, they signed him and he was going to be their closer and they had like, I want to say like a May or June bobblehead day scheduled for Fujikawa. Yeah. And by the time, by the time like May rolled around, everyone knew he was horrible and they still had to give out this, this bobblehead. I have it somewhere in a box somewhere. In oh, awesome. Storage. That's awesome. Yeah. In my storage facility um, or my storage uh, space in the basement. Um, so those two. And then the last one, Jack, I want to end with is, is Wade Miller. Um, not like a, a guy who broke the bank for the Cubs, you know, as far as free agents go. Yeah. But I personally remember him. So they signed him in, in 06. He pitched five games, had a 4.57 ERA, and I guess I don't remember, but he must have had a career, career uh, season-ending injury um, in in 06. And then he came back at the beginning of 07, 
And I remember going to a game in like April of 07, Cubs at Brewers. So me and um, listener are like, you know, past guest Ben Perkins. We we drove up to Milwaukee to see the Cubs play the Brewers. And, you know, we're in enemy, enemy territory. And we, you know, we're, rep, we're, we're, we're repping the Cubs. And who happened to start that game was Wade Miller. And he gave up like six runs in like the first inning or something. Oh, God. <laughs> and so it just completely deflated the game. And we were just stuck being like, you know, losers in, in Miller Park. So, um, so yeah, Wade Miller, bad, bad tenure with the Cubs. Nice. Yeah, I barely remembered Wade Miller. Um, his name sounds like the name of, you know, a hundred other players who we've we've talked about. But um, yeah. now that I'm looking at him, I, I do remember that he was on the Astros. Yeah, he was good for a minute with the with the Astros. Um, and then, like, yeah, the Cubs, he was just done with baseball by the time <laughs> he came to the Cubs. So nice. Um, well, yeah, that was a that was a good good rundown, Jeremy. Um, uh, you know, I uh, a, a nice walk down memory lane uh, for uh, for both of these teams. And, you know, like you said, we uh, were old enough that we remember when they signed a lot of these guys that they were that we were talking about. Um, you know, it's with Soriano specifically. I wanted to say this when you were talking about him, but I think he cared uh, as much when he was we saw him wearing that hot dad summer shirt two years ago and just like <laughs> hanging out yeah. as he did as he did when he was actually playing with the Cubs. Yeah, when he was batting third, like you know, in the in the lineup. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like the same vibe. <laughs> he was exuding <laughs> the same general vibe. Um, <laughs> oh man, that's a good that's a good pull, Jack. I forgot that he was wearing that shirt. Yep, Hot Dad yep. Summer. You yeah. did you you got him too, right on your scorecard? I did. I got him on my scorecard, and then I was like, I was just bummed that I didn't. I mean, there was no reason for me to have his card, but I'm like, if only I had his card, I could have got him on a card. But scorecard's pretty cool too. Yeah, maybe at Cubs Fest this year. Yeah, right. I know it's, he could be a guy who 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 they invite. So we'll see. Yeah. Um. Well, I I think we're just about at time. Um. Uh. We'll probably try to get one more episode to you before the new year. Um. Uh. TBD if we'll be out to an event or not. Uh. Yeah. But next month is going to be the aforementioned Cubs Fest, which is going to be a ball. Yeah, I'm excited. It should be good. And um. Yeah, we got to start getting our stuff ready for it. That's true. That's absolutely. You, you sounded like uh, Brett Favre. I'm a member of the Jets. I'm excited. Um, okay. <laughs> well, we can we can cut it off there. Um, for Rain Delay Theater, I'm Jack Sokowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.